You're listening to Comedy Central. January 21st, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. so exciting. Happy MLK Day, everybody. Thanks for coming out in the freezing cold. I've never been this cold in my life. I'm Trevor Noah, our guest tonight, the director behind Wonder Woman, here to talk about her new limited series, I Am The Night. Patty Jenkins is here, everyone. (laughs) So, uh, what do Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Pornhub, and MAGA hats all have in common? Well, they're all on tonight's show, so let's catch up (laughs) on today's headlines. This was a crazy weekend. First up, winter storm Harper crashed into the East Coast, bringing with it single-digit temperatures and more snow than Lindsay Lohan's beach club. (laughs) The world of sports was also crazy. In the NFL Conference Championships, the Saints lost, the Patriots won, and both games went into overtime. And speaking of overtime, the government shutdown is now on day 31. And since the majority of Americans are blaming President Trump for the stalemate, This weekend, the commander in Peach offered Democrats a compromise. The president offered protection from deportation for some refugees and immigrants brought here by their undocumented parents for three years, that in exchange for his original $5.7 billion wall funding demand. The White House wall language is also softening from this campaign roar. We're going to build a wall, folks. Precast concrete, going very high. To this downsized description. This is not a... 2,000-mile concrete structure from sea to sea. These are steel barriers in high-priority locations. You know, when Trump said he was a master negotiator, I didn't believe him, but now I see it. Because you realize, since the shutdown, the Democrats haven't budged. But every day, he's come out and negotiated himself (laughs) further away from what he originally wanted, right? Every single day. First, first he said it was a concrete wall, and then he said it's just made out of steel slats, and now it's only a certain section of the border where you need it. Like, Nancy Pelosi's just sitting there silently, and Trump is wearing himself down. He's like, I want a wall. Okay, Nancy, I'll take a fence. Oh, you're playing hardball. How about a two-foot baby gate? (laughs) Nothing, just give me one slat with a sign that says no. (laughs) But it's no surprise that the president is getting desperate. You see, every day, every single day, the government is shut down. The negative effects continue to pile up. Law enforcement officials don't have money to do their job. Furloughed federal staffers are now relying on food banks, and thousands of government workers are sitting at home with nothing to do. Well, I mean, they found one thing to do. The adult website Pornhub says it has seen an increase in usage in the Washington, D.C. area since the partial government shutdown began. Pornhub says data from the week of January 7th to January 11th shows visits to the site were up 6%. That's right. (laughs) D.C. has been watching more porn since the (laughs) shutdown began. And you know what I think? People assume it's because government workers are staying at home, but it could also be because one government worker who's usually at Mar-a-Lago this time of year 
has stayed in D.C. Yeah. And now, look, I'm not saying that the president of the United States is jacking off, all right? But I'm saying if he was jacking off, he would do it like this. <laughs> oh, and speaking of the president's porn, Fox and Friends, this morning, <laughs> after they came back from an ad break, they gave everyone some surprising news, especially surprising if you're a Supreme Court justice with the initials RBG. Just go to hurryroll.com and enter this code. Ready, set, roll. Hurry roll. A college professor taking a stand against the lack of diverse viewpoints on campuses during a TED Talk. Uh, we need to apologize. At the uh, beginning of Ainsley's interview with the professor, uh, a technical error uh, in the control room triggered a graphic of Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, with a date on it. Uh, she, we don't want to make it seem uh, anything other than that was a mistake, that was an accident. We believe she is still at home recovering from surgery. That is a major screw up from Fox News. Putting Steve Ducey on a news show? What are they doing? I mean... <laughs> and also, declaring Ruth Bader Ginsburg dead? That was super awkward. Although it could have been worse. At least they caught it before they hit the button for the Fox News balloon drop. Everybody dance now! No, no! Dum, dum, dum. Okay, fine. And finally, finally, in headlines, the 2020 presidential election. It's just 652 days away. I know. It feels like 642, but it's really close, guys. <laughs> And today, another Democrat entered the fray. Senator Kamala Harris today announced her plans to run for president in 2020. The California Democrat said she plans to fight what she sees as the injustices of the Trump presidency. Do you have an announcement you'd like to make? I am running for president of the United States. Yes. Well, and, <laughs> and I'm very excited about it. I love that one person in the background. Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. Kamala Harris is officially running for president. This is big. Because you realize she is now the third big-name senator running for president, and they're all women. Yeah, which is really cool. It's really cool. It also makes you wonder, what is going on in the Senate that all the women are trying to leave? Why? Is Al Franken coming back, huh? No, I'm joking, man, poor guy. He was one of the favorites to take on Trump, you know, and then that happened. Like, he was this close to the presidency. Do you guys like Kamala Harris, by the way? Do you like Kamala Harris? Yeah? Well, I have a big announcement for you. She'll be joining me here at this desk on Thursday for another audience. All right, let's move on to our main story. Fake news. According to the president, it's even more dangerous than Mexicans. But usually, when President Trump says fake news, what he's referring to is real news that he just doesn't like. You know, like news that his campaign colluded with Russia or news that Eric is his son. <laughs> but this weekend, there were two stories that were at least fake-ish. And the first story broke on Thursday nights. BuzzFeed reported that President Trump directed his lawyer, Michael Cohen, to lie to Congress. And this report was a huge bombshell because lying to Congress is definitely an impeachable offense. But just as Democrats were about to impeach the mother, Robert Mueller stepped in... <laughs> to set the record straight. Breaking news, a rare and stunning move from the special counsel tonight. Robert Mueller's team disputing an explosive BuzzFeed report alleging the president told Michael Cohen to lie to Congress. You have the special counsel 
essentially for the first time putting out a public statement. We almost never hear from, uh, from Robert Mueller's office. When you say rare, boy, there has not been a time when the special counsel has gone out of its way to publicly challenge a media report. That's right. Robert Mueller, a.k.a. Mr. Witch Hunt himself, released a statement saying the BuzzFeed story about Michael Cohen was not accurate. And this is a huge deal, because you realize Mueller never comments on anything. And it also means that Robert Mueller reads BuzzFeed. <laughs> which means he takes those quizzes, <laughs> which makes me wonder what Hogwarts house he's in. <laughs> I mean, it's probably Gryffindor or... No, no, probably Ravenclaw, yeah. Imagine if he's in Hufflepuff. That would be so weird. <laughs> Sorry, where was I? Where was I? Anyway, uh, special counsel Robert Mueller, uh, you know, he just popped out. Popped out like God in the Bible. Came out of nowhere, said something cryptic, and left everyone trying to figure out what it means. <laughs> and for Trump, it means that he has a new best friend. I appreciate the special counsel coming out with a statement last night. I think it was very appropriate that they did so. I very much appreciate that. Really? Really, Trump? After two years of slamming Mueller, one friendly statement from him, and all of a sudden, Trump is cool with him? I think now Mueller knows how to get Trump to testify. He should be like, Mr. President, I need to interview you. And Trump be like, no. Be like, hey, have you been working out? Be like, meet me at 3.30 behind the KFC. <laughs> I'll tell you everything. Now, even though Robert Mueller of House Ravenclaw disputed the BuzzFeed story, <laughs> BuzzFeed and its reporters are not backing down. BuzzFeed reporter Anthony Cormier, who contributed to the piece, is defending the story as solid and accurate. I have uh, further uh, confirmation that this is right. We're being told to stand our ground. This is, this is, our reporting is going to be borne out to be accurate, and um, we're... 100% behind it. The editor-in-chief of BuzzFeed News said he is eager to get more details from the special counsel's office on what portions of the story it's disputing as inaccurate. Oh, I see what you're doing, BuzzFeed. This is slick, you know? But Robert Mueller is not gonna tell you exactly what you got wrong in your story. But it's a sneaky way to try and get revealing information, you know? You just publish whatever you want, and then you try to get Mueller to correct you. Uh, we've heard that Trump paid Putin in Bitcoin to hack the elections. Mother's like, it wasn't Bitcoin, it was cash. Damn it! Well played, BuzzFeed. <laughs> you got me. So the truth is, we still can't make heads or tails of the story. Which part is inaccurate? Is it the whole thing? Is it a sentence? Is it a semicolon? When do you even use those things? How do they work? We don't know. <laughs> what we do know is the media got something wrong in the story because Robert Mueller doesn't speak for no reason. The guy never speaks. Like, we don't even know what he sounds like. <laughs> you ever think about that? Like, he, he could have a booming voice like God. Maybe he sounds like Mickey Mouse. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, he could come out with his report and be like, oh, boy, obstruction of justice. <laughs> we have no clue. Wouldn't it be hilarious if we found out Robert Mueller had a Jamaican accent? Like, <laughs> the whole time we didn't know, and then he just comes out and is like, I now find tons of collusion between Trump. <laughs> Trump and the Russians. This concludes the investigation. Blah. But you won't do nothing, Congress, because Jim got a Republican Senate, you bumba clad. Mud out! <laughs> oh, we amazing. So, after BuzzFeed sent cable news into a frenzy, the lesson was don't rush to report stories you haven't confirmed yourself. And really, I, I don't think it's just the news media that needs to be more skeptical. Because there was another story that went viral online this weekend, and it turns out we all got this one wrong. 
The video is from Friday's Indigenous Peoples March in Washington. Now, the students from Covington Catholic High School can be seen jeering and chanting at a drummer who is an elder from the Omaha tribe. The viral video sweeping the internet of a mob of MAGA hat wearing high school students surrounding a Native American chanting and drumming in the nation's capital. It is disturbing. Students mocking a Native American man. Some of them harassing and jeering at a Native American elder. The situation came to a head when that young man there, wearing a Make America Great Again hat, got right in his face and didn't move. Now, I'm not gonna lie. When I saw the story, I was horrified. I was like, I can't watch something so disrespectful to Native Americans. I'm just gonna watch the Chiefs game instead. <laughs> but this story set cable news and social media alight, right? A group of MAGA hats wearing teenagers surrounded and harassed a Native American elder. And the story got so big that even the mayor of the student's hometown denounced them. And not in like a cool Bart Simpson denouncing way, like real denouncing. And then more video of the incident came out. A new video has emerged giving a different perspective and a deeper look at a controversial encounter between a white high school student and an elderly Native American man. A different video surfaced Sunday that showed what happened before the encounter. A radical group of protesters called black Hebrew Israelites taunted the boys for more than an hour with racist and homophobic abuse. A bunch of in incest babies. A bunch of babies made out of incest. That's a bunch of child molested Because we were being loudly attacked and taunted in public, a student asked one of our teacher chaperones for permission to begin school spirit chants to counter the hateful things that were being shouted at our group. And they do. At one point, a student removes his shirt and the chants drown everything out. Two minutes later, you hear a drumbeat. The kids dance to it. They began chanting along. Phillips, a Vietnam veteran, walks around. Other students avoid him until you see him come face to face with the student who has now gone viral. So you see all of a sudden, with a little more information, the story is not as clear cut. It's not a simple story about one person being a dick to someone. It's a complex story about a group of people being dicks to each other. <laughs> because yes, it is true that that kid had a smug look on his face that made you want to take him over the knee and spank him with his own lacrosse stick. <laughs> but it's not true that he and his crew surrounded the Native American, right? The Native American got in his face. And also, a big part of the story everyone missed initially was that the kids only started chanting in response to a weird religious cult who were also there shouting slurs at them. So the point is, if people waited for one day before diving in, they would have realized that there is more to the story than they initially thought. And look, I know it's easy to get caught up in news stories that hit a nerve, but I think everyone would benefit if we all just slowed down at times, you know? You don't always have to be first. It's more important to be right. So news media, just breathe, right? People on social media, breathe. That guy at Fox News in charge of the Ruth Bader Ginsburg button? <laughs> breathe. And most importantly, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, please breathe. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. Today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. <laughs> a day when Americans celebrate a civil rights icon. 
And Americans who don't get off work, you know, they celebrate an easier commute. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I got through the tunnel in seven minutes. Thank you, Dr. King. <laughs> and over the weekend, everyone was getting into the MLK spirits, even America's whitest man. One of my favorite quotes from Dr. King was, now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. You think of how he changed America. He inspired us to change through the legislative process to become a more perfect union. That's exactly what President Trump is calling on the Congress to do. Through the legislative process? I think Mike Pence just skipped over the whole protesting and getting beaten up part. He was just like, yeah, that's what Martin Luther King wanted us to do. Like, I never watched the trailer for Selma and thought, oh, man, that looks like some intensive legislative process, yeah. <laughs> for more on Dr. King's legacy, we turn now to Dulce Sloan, everybody. <laughs> Dulce. If, if Martin Luther King were here, where do you think he would stand on the government shutdown? I think he was staying inside, because it's too damn cold. <laughs> why is Martin Luther King Day on the coldest day of the year? I mean, why can't we celebrate him in July and we can, you know, march outside and have a cookout? Yeah, but then it wouldn't be on his birthday. Oh, so a black man can't have two birthdays? It's 2019, Trevor. I thought we'd move past this. What? I didn't know there was a civil rights... Anyway, never mind. What... Okay, while you're indoors today, what do you think and what are you remembering about Dr. King's legacy? You know what I want to remember? The real Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, not the whitewashed, hallmark version. Because every year people talk about the same stuff. The I Have a Dream speech, the March on Washington, how he had the voice of a Scooby-Doo ghost. <laughs> I have a dream. <laughs> and I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for those meddling kids. <laughs> But the real Dr. King did not fit in any box. White moderates think he would have been on their side, but he thought they were worse for the civil rights movement than the Klan. And mattress stores are out here having MLK Day sales, but Dr. King was anti-capitalist. And even though he was a reverend and a man of God, he allegedly had a whole bunch of affairs. Whoa, whoa, whoa. hold on, hold on. Even if that's true, I mean, that he, that he had affairs, isn't it disrespectful to mention that on his birthday? I don't think so. It's part of his legacy. A reminder that our heroes aren't perfect, they're people. And I'm not being disrespectful. <laughs> Just the opposite. MLK was out there getting it. <laughs> and probably still could. I mean, if he showed up on my Bumble, I'd take him to the mountaintop and the valley low. I've never thought of MLK on Bumble. Well, he wouldn't be on Tinder. That man had class. <laughs> if everyone knew that fighting for civil rights could get you some, a lot more people would fight for equality, equal pay, voting rights, and whoever can stop black people from getting shot by the police will f tonight, okay? <laughs> All right. Now, first you get a million in the streets, then you get a million in the sheets. Don't say Sloan, everybody. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is the critically acclaimed director of Wonder Woman and the upcoming sequel, Wonder Woman 1984. She also executive produced and directed the first two episodes of the new TNT limited series, I Am the Night. Please welcome Patty Jenkins. <laughs> Thank you. 
Welcome to the show. Thank you. So I have much been a fan of your work uh, from Monster. I remember the movie with Charlize Theron, it blew my mind, and that was the first time I, I heard of your work as a director, but you, you've been in the game for a very long time. Yeah. In fact, is it true, I heard a rumor that you were, you were once offered a position at The Daily Show? It's true, one of the first, so when I first started working in film, I was PAing on commercials and looking for other jobs, and one of the very first jobs I was offered was on the first season, I believe, of The Daily Show, which wow. we knew nothing about, as a PA or something. Right. But I was already starting to do camera work and getting paid more, so I was like, well, I'll stick with what I'm doing. And the money, but, yeah. And, but it was one of those many decisions that years later I was like, my God, I really like that show. I kind of feel regretful now. Oh, no, are yeah. you kidding? You, I don't think you yeah. can regret anything. No, no, it's, I'm, hap I'm yeah, perfectly your, happy your with how it worked out. has been truly amazing. I mean, Wonder Woman was not only a critically acclaimed movie, it was a box office smash, right? Very you lucky. directed that. Yes. That was very, amazing. Very, lucky, thank you. No, it truly was. Yeah, <laughs> Here's, here's something I, I've always wanted to do. This is a selfish question for myself only. Do, do you think that there is something in how uh, a woman can direct a scene differently from a man in how you see the beauty in moments that maybe we don't? Because, like, there's the fight scene on the beach. And I don't know if anyone else experienced this. I was, I, was, I was in the cinema, and we're watching that scene, you know? And you've got all these, these soldiers who are coming on the beach, and then you've got all of, you know, Wonder Woman and her crew, and they're fighting. And women around me were crying. But it wasn't like a sad cry, it was like a cry of like amazement. And then yeah. I, asked, I asked the woman next to me, I was like, why, why are you crying? And she was like, I've, I've never seen this before. I've never seen us just kicking ass right. like oh, this cool. in a moment. And it was, it was a beautiful, different scene. It was a fight scene that was different. Do you think that for too long people haven't realized that there is something special that having different directors can have and bring to a movie? Yeah, definitely. The interesting thing is like the history of story has been many different types of people telling different kinds of stories. Right. But in the last hundred years in Hollywood, it's been like a very set group of people telling a very similar story, and it gets a little played out at yeah. times. The interesting thing about making Wonder Woman to me is I don't think of myself as a woman director, but of course I am a, I am a woman. I see things slightly differently. Right. And when I approached those exact scenes, I was really trying to feel like what would what's exciting to me and what's you know what feels right and there were all of these fascinating things like headbutt. I was like, Wonder Woman would never headbutt. She doesn't glory <laughs> in putting someone down. Right, She's right, taking right. them out, no problem. But it's a different way of fighting. What was amazing to me was, of course, I was following that barometer, but then to see women, so many women said to me afterwards, I thought I didn't like action movies, and then I saw that which was an interesting point because I thought, well, maybe that's it for everybody. Maybe you're just seeing the storyline as not something you relate with, right. thing, but who doesn't feel panicked in a, in, a, in a moment and wish that they could save the day? We all do, right. everybody does. So yeah, it was really interesting that way. What was really amazing was that the film was met with, I mean, just so much love and respect and, and it blew up and you had only signed on for one movie. Yeah. Right? And you already had an idea for a sequel, but you hadn't signed on for that. And yeah. so when the next movie came around and it was time to negotiate, you were like, uh, I want my money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I love that so much. Because I, I, I really, I actually, I felt it's, it's interesting to make money that way. Right. Because I've never thought of myself as someone, I'm an artist, I didn't right. set out to, to be about money. However, I took it very seriously and felt very strongly that it was my duty, if not me, who? If not me, who to and Charlize did this has had to do the same right, moments, right, right. to be the person who says, you know, 
we don't have a chance to build up to the same thing, but now it has to be an equal pay situation. So yeah, it was interesting. I was so grateful to be supported by Warner Brothers, and and it was you know it, it was a, it was a great moment to, I'm, to have I'm that genuinely, happen. Yeah, I'm excited. It, it, it was phenomenal. I was happy for you. I was like, you need to make all the money because the movie was amazing. I'm, I can't wait for the sequel. And now this story has come out. This is a completely different world. Yeah. You know, watching the series, I remember seeing the billboards of you know, and I was like, what what is the story going to be about? And it is a wild story, but it's also based on a true story. Yeah. How did you how did you come about the story? So a friend of mine said about 10 years ago, I've met this woman, you have to hear her story. And I said, oh, okay, cool. And he like, I think he said a few different little descriptives, just enough to make me sit down with her. Right. And we had a meal and I sat down with a woman, Fauna Hodel. And when she started to tell me her story, it was like, my jaw dropped. I had never heard anything like it. And then as soon as I would hear one thing, the next chapter would would drop and it was even more mind blowing. So it's such a dark and terrifying story in certain ways that at first I was, I was worried about it and thought, oh my God, do I really want to take this on? But I couldn't stop talking about it. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I couldn't stop, you know, thinking about her and the way that here, this woman told me this incredibly dark and scary story, but she was like a ray of light. And you know, everything that she had found out about herself, she said, that's probably true. And there was something so interesting. Identity has become an interesting hot topic now, but even then sitting there and looking at her and seeing how this woman single-handedly said, my identity will not define me. It doesn't matter what the descriptives are. Maybe the worst possible thing is true about me. I'm living my life. Right. So the positivity of that kept me hooked. So I tried to make it back then, but no one was quite doing limited series yet. And so all these years later, I had stayed in touch with Fauna and remained friends with her and other people were trying to do her story and she kept saying, I really believe that you're the one, please. And um, I ended up telling Chris Pine about it and Chris's head just exploded as everyone's does when when you you hear hear this story. And so one thing led to another. My husband is a great noir and, you know, fiction writer. And he, um, he suddenly, we all just started talking about it. And he said, you know, there were all of these other characters. There's this very interesting way, actually, to tell it. And it just kind of took off. It, it really is a story that, that captures the imagination. Because I, I, I really would say you should watch it. I don't want to give anything away that, that tips the story. But, but it's, it's a fascinating tale of a woman who n- thinks her entire life that she is... Uh, biracial. Yeah. And she's living with her black mother at the time, and then she finds a birth certificate, and all of a sudden she realized that her life is not the life that she thought. She sets out to find her real parents, her father. She learns things about her grandfather. But you're in this world where, as you said, it's a really dark story, because the things she finds out would crush most people. And yet, through it all, she seems to maintain a certain level of optimism that's almost unrealistic. What what do you you think think drove her? I, I don't know. She's a very... She was a very... She sadly passed away last year. She was a very strong and powerful person. As right. powerful as her grandfather had been as a force of dark, she, she, is a, she was a positive, you know, force right, of light. Right. So I, that was part of what interested me so much about the story is that when she described herself to me, here she was in these incredible circumstances, had grown up so the furthest away from high society in Los Angeles. And suddenly she was infiltrating this world. And she said, I always felt like I was the investigator in a noir novel, but I was a 16-year-old girl. I was like a young woman. That fascinated me of like telling this kind of story through this lens. Mm -hmm. Then there's the Black Dahlia murder, which I'm a true crime buff. I'd heard a thousand times and always been kind of like, "Mm, maybe, maybe. When her story suddenly ran right into that, 
it blew my mind. And for the first time, I, I, I heard a version of it that I felt very certain was real right. because it just tracked and made perfect sense. So, yeah, it was it's it's deeply scary, but interest. It's an interesting story about the fortitude of the spirit. It's a it's, despite it, what you find. Yeah, it, it really is a, a gripping story, and it's 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 interesting to see you playing between the different mediums. You know, so you're directing films like mega blockbuster films, and you're also directing limited series on TV. Is yeah. there is there a space that you operate within, or do you think like the industry has blurred now? Has it just become a space where you can direct wherever and it doesn't mean anything anymore, really? Yeah, I definitely think that the crossover has been better. When I first went from directing Monster to Arrested Development, it was a much much more questionable. You know, people were like, "Why are you doing?" that well I love the show right you know? <laughs> so that was why I did it but um but I feel like more and more feature directors have crossed over for me I just want to do things that I think are great I love both I love the short term of, a, of, of television versus the long term a movie right. can take you know wonder the Wonder Woman's take three years three and a half years wow. that's a serious commitment and it has to be your life force and everything you know so I like both this this limited series was more feature like than it was television mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I just want to be involved in stories that I think are great and I think I have a shot at you know being deeply passionate about and doing some good work. I think you're doing more than just good work. You're doing amazing work. Thank you so much Thank for being you. on the show. So we love everything that you're doing. I am the Mike. A fascinating, harrowing, and inspiring story for me is January 28th at 9 p.m. on TNT. Patty Jenkins, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.